For those of us who have yet to meet, my name is Kevin. I get to be the discipleship pastor here at Charles River Church. It is uh, my joy, genuine, genuine joy to be back in front of you. The last time that I preached to this congregation inside uh, was March of 2020. And, uh, and so it is really good to be back here with you guys. Uh, and it's also good to be back because uh, you guys gave us the opportunity, my family and I, the opportunity to take uh, a couple weeks off over the past two weeks to just kind of get away and refresh. Uh, and if you have not yet and don't have plans to yet this summer, let me encourage you, at least a day trip up to the White Mountains, man. You've got to get up there. It's just so much easier to see God in the mountains for some reason. So... Um, anyway, it's good to be back. A couple of quick announcements before we get uh, started. If you do have the Charles River Church app, let me encourage you to fill out a connection card. And for those of you guys uh, joining us online, welcome. Uh, so glad that you guys are here with us. I know with school getting out and travel plans and, and all kinds of things, uh, it's tough for everybody to be together in the same room all at once, but we're glad that you guys are joining us online as well. Also, fill out a connection card. Let us know that you're here uh, in spirit, and let us know how we can be praying for you. Um, secondly, uh, for you in the room, uh, we do have that little bit of an overflow room with the live stream going. So we love, let me say it a million times, we love having children in the congregation here with us. It's a form of discipleship right now. We get it that they're squirmy. We get it that you might feel awkward, mom and dad. There aren't a ton of situations in which your children have to sit still for this long while a grown-up talks. Uh, but listen, we, we totally understand there's nothing but grace. So if you feel a slight tinge of embarrassment because your kids are squirming, kill that. Um, we love that. And, uh, but if it does get too much for you and you want to, you feel free to uh, head out into that, that main uh, area where there are some chairs. And uh, we do have the live stream going on in there for you as well. Last big announcement uh, before we really get started. Actually, one more. Next Sunday is July 4th, and we will be here worshiping God. Uh, we hope that you will join us too, but we understand if you already have travel plans. Uh, they are what they are, but what a great way to start off your fourth by coming together, singing some songs to Jesus, and learning a bit more about him. Uh, Antoine will be preaching for us next week, so there's a little bit more incentive for you to be back here. Uh, now, the last big announcement, I didn't tell him I was going to do this, but uh, Brother Bud, will you stand up? Um, this week, uh, Bud has the opportunity to go back, travel back to Haiti, uh, his home country. He, over the past... Um, over the past year, he's had the opportunity to go down twice, and uh, this will be his third trip. Uh, the last time he was there, was able to baptize 15 new believers in Christ, uh, just a man with that gift of evangelism, and so we're grateful. Yeah, but, um, but as we get started, uh, and if you're comfortable, if you're not comfortable, whatever, but um, I would love to just kind of extend our hands toward him. And just pray for favor over this trip that many, many more people would hear and receive the good news of Jesus Christ over the next couple of weeks while he's away. And while he's away, please keep him in your prayers. Keep his family in, in your prayers. It's a sacrifice for them to let him go. But please join me in prayer. My Father in heaven, you are always only good. You have a beautiful plan. Even when we don't understand it, God, you have a beautiful plan. And so... We do um, entrust Bud to you, that you would embolden him, that you would give him safety in his travels, and that you would fill him, Holy Spirit, to overflowing with the good news, and that you would just 
the, the work that he's already been able to do and to pioneer down there with the, the, the church he's partnering with, God, uh, may that just be the tip of the iceberg. And may many, many, many more Haitians find hope and joy and peace in the true Jesus. And we pray the same for here, Lord. We understand that you have placed us in a city where we all get to be missionaries in one way, shape, or form. And so God, fill us, Holy Spirit, to overflow that we may exude your good news. God, we trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes. Praise God. Well, listen, um, again, I'm, I'm so glad to be back here uh, with you guys. And I feel like most of my sermons involve, in one way, shape, or form, the fact that I used to be a maintenance guy. And so I'm just going there again. Uh, as somebody who, who formerly would work with my hands, it's just kind of the lens through which I see the world, but somebody who, who worked with my hands, as well as somebody who loves history, uh, I can't help but really think about like the history of structures, the history of buildings. And I don't mean like big, famous buildings. I'm talking about like when I'm taking a walk around the neighborhood and I see uh, a house that really needs a paint job, my, my mind immediately goes back to the day in history where that house was pristine, where that man or woman, whoever it was, finished painting, stood back from it and went, yeah, that's beautiful. And then 20, 30 years ago, you look at it and you go, man, that thing really needs a paint job. Uh, it's, it's just where, it's where my mind, um, it's where my mind just goes. Like, because I've been that guy with the paintbrush and I've been in that position standing back and my mind can't help but go forward to, how long before I gotta do this again? Like look around, look around this room. If you're if you're here, just take a take a quick peek around this room. This room was built in 1957. This church was built and completed in 1957. See that brick that I outlined there in black? And who laid that brick? Like, it wasn't created as the helo, just like breathed up by God in place. It hasn't always existed. Somebody in history in 1957 took a big heavy brick, put some mortar in that spot, placed it, squared it up, got it all good, and then did the same thing again with the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Like, what day of the week was it? What time of day was it? What was he thinking about? What was his name? Was he excited to get home to see his family? Were things tough at home? What were his anxieties? What was going on in the world at the time? What did he have for lunch? How long of a lunch break did he take? Did he, did he work through lunch in order to get home? Was he listening to the radio? What song was on the radio? It was 1957, which means Let Me Be Your Teddy Bear by Elvis was kind of the big hit of that summer. Did he like Elvis? Was he singing along? Was that song stuck in his head? I don't know. I don't know. God knows. God knows. How many cigarettes did he smoke that day? It was 1957, I'm assuming that he was smoking cigarettes. Like, how many cigarettes are stuffed in the walls? Like, how many cigarette butts are stuffed in the walls of this building right now? It could be zero, it could be 20. I don't know. God knows. Every, so, every kitchen I've ever installed, uh, somewhere in that kitchen has the initials, either behind the microwave or behind the cabinets, has the initials ZLM since 2012, 2011, 2012, for Zoe Lynn Miranda. 
And then starting in 14, there were the initials added LPM for Levi Paul Miranda. And somewhere hidden in that kitchen are those initials. And someday somebody's going to tear that kitchen down and be like, who is CLM? Who is LPM? I have no idea. But I know. I know just how important those people are to me, and God knows. But it's a mystery to them. And there's, there's something beautiful about those mysteries that just sparks an awe inside my soul. Like, all of these questions, all of these things, God knows perfectly well. He knows every detail, every minute detail about all of it. Like, all right, so in 1989, 88, 89, I don't know, my parents bought a house. And on the side of the house was this big boulder. I, I remember it being like this big, but I was a little guy, so it, was, it wasn't that big. But I remember it being massive. Um, and so a couple years later, my dad rented a, a jackhammer and uh, jackhammered the rock to get rid of it. And underneath the rock, they found a cast iron frying pan. How on earth did that cast iron frying pan end up under the rock? Or how did that rock end up on top of a cast iron frying pan? I have no idea. I will never know. But God knows. He knows it fully. Not only does he know how that cast iron frying pan got there, he knows each molecule within that cast iron frying pan. He remembers creating the iron ore that was used in smelting down that into a frying pan. He knows it fully well. He remembers the first spark of an idea that somebody in history had when they said, if I heat this up, I bet there's something I can do with it. He knows it perfectly. He knows it perfectly. Think back to this one. What was the first Sunday in here like? What was it like? What kind of hopes did that congregation walk in here with? What kind of dreams did they have for the neighborhood? What kind of dreams did they have personally? What was the first prayer prayed in this room? What was the first hymn sung in this room? What was the first sermon about? What was the name of the pastor who preached it? I mean, we probably, that's one that we could probably actually find out. But what was his sermon about? I don't know. God knows. He knows it fully well. He was with that pastor the week or weeks leading up to that first sermon. He was there when he was preparing for that sermon. He was with the men who built this room, who built this place. He was with each and every member of that congregation and has been with each and every member of the congregations that have walked through these doors for the past 60 years. And he is with each and every one of you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Wait. He knows how many hairs are on your head. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. He knows every detail of every moment, of every event that led you to where you are right now. And he knows every detail of every moment, of every event that will lead you to where it is that he has for you to go as you lead out this door. Check this out. So I'm, um, like I said, I, I, I kind of enjoy exploring and thinking about these mysteries. And so uh, a week or two ago, I climbed up into the organ room back there. That big, you see the big Alpha and Omega thing. That's actually a mesh screen. There's a way up. It is dangerous. And uh, <laughs> we won't be taking a day trip up there. Um, but what I found up there, the first thing that greeted me was an old Sears Roebuck color TV box. And inside that color TV box were 
just a ton of these little cards. And these cards represent uh, pledge amounts that the congregation in January 1966 gave to furthering the ministry at Trinity Lutheran Church. This individual pledged $6 a week, this person pledged $1 a week, this person pledged six. I, I read through that somebody pledged up to $25 a week to keep it going. These represent human beings who lived, who had fingerprints, who had hopes, who had aspirations, who had dreams, and who Jesus knew fully well. The world didn't begin the day you were born. Every single one of us, every bricklayer and every brick, every pastor, every plumber, every politician, every tree, every seed, every atom that has ever or will ever exist, each one, God knows perfectly, playing its individual valuable role in the grand story of God that all leads to the hero of the story, Jesus Christ the main character and the point of all creation, Jesus Christ. Okay. With all that said, for those of you who remember last summer, we did a sermon series called Hidden Figures, and we joined with a couple of other, our church plants uh, and their, their pastors to come together and preach on lesser-known people in God's story, so people from the Bible that maybe uh, you don't, don't, doesn't ring a bell the first time you hear their name, maybe... Uh, you, you've never heard of them. So we did that Hidden Figure series, and we kind of hinted at maybe we're going to do that again because it was received really well. And back by popular demand, this Sunday I get to kick off our summer series, Hidden Figures, lesser known people, lesser known characters in God's story. And just because they are lesser known to us, lesser known to man, they get less pages and less text in the Bible, they are fully known by God. They are people who existed in real time, in real history. So hidden figures, lesser known characters in God's story, lesser known to man, fully and completely known by God. So this week, I get to kick us off by taking a look at Baruch, the son of Neriah. And so you can open up, I'm getting some thumbs up from some people in the know. Baruch, the son of Neriah, uh, back in, you can open up your Bible if you have it, to Jeremiah chapter 45. That's where we'll primarily be this morning. But just some background about Baruch before we actually get there. Uh, Baruch, in Hebrew, his name means blessing. And before you think, oh, hashtag blessed, uh, remember what Jesus said, uh, that blessed are those who mourn. And so you don't get a ton of those Instagram selfies, hashtag blessed, of an ugly cry, uh, but hashtag blessed. Baruch, uh, his name means Blessed. And if you're aware at all of the prophet Jeremiah, uh, he lived roughly 600 years prior to Christ. Uh, he lived in Jerusalem during one of the most tumultuous periods in that city's history, which is, which is saying something. Um, but Jeremiah and Baruch, they would have lived just prior to, during, and after the Babylonian exile. They would have witnessed the destruction of the temple and God's judgment coming upon the nation through the Babylonians. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, and though he was exiled along with them, he wasn't exiled to Babylon, but he was exiled 
to Egypt. And it's a longer story you can find out for yourself if you own a Bible. Or if you don't own a Bible, please take one of ours. And if you don't want one of ours, uh, then Google. Uh, but anyway, so God specifically chose him. God specifically chose Jeremiah uh, to go and warn his people. Go and warn God's people. Listen. God planted the nation of Israel and Judah, and there's the whole long history that I don't have the time to go into. But long story short, God had good plans for them, and he made some good promises to them, but he also gave some very stern warnings. And instead of following God's will and God's word, they turned to their own devices. They turned away to idols. And they did some really horrific stuff, including uh, things like sacrificing their own kids and, uh, and some, some really, really scary stuff. And so... God sends prophet after prophet after prophet. Turn back to me. I am gracious and kind and good and merciful. And I will forgive you. Just turn back to me. And time and time again, the people are rejected. Oh, they'll turn back and then the next generation will run back after the idols. And so kind of as a last-ditch effort. Well, that sounds wrong. Uh, that's not the way it goes. But kind of as the last opportunity, God sends Jeremiah to warn the people to turn back, to repent. And uh, his message of repentance was largely ignored, uh, except by at least one man, uh, his scribe named Baruch, son of Neriah. Now, Baruch, if you believe it, Jeremiah probably didn't write the book of Jeremiah. Now, wait. Even if he didn't write it, uh, it would have been, he would have dictated it. Uh, God would have used Jeremiah's mouth, so God would have spoken through Jeremiah. And then somebody like Neriah, uh, sorry, uh, Baruch son of Neriah, would have dictated, would have written. So it was, it was God's words through Jeremiah, but it was Baruch pen to ink, ink to, to parchment is the reason that we still have it preserved today. And so, uh, so yeah, everybody pretty much ignored the prophet Jeremiah. He's known as the weeping prophet. And, uh, and so because Baruch was with him, Baruch also had uh, some tough things to go through, but he was trustworthy, and uh, yeah, this is trustworthy, trustworthy scribe. Uh, side note, I love this. Back in the mid 1970s, uh, they found a clay seal uh, with an inscription, uh, a Baruch, uh, belonging to Baruch, the son of Neriah, the scribe. Uh, so there is archaeological evidence for this dude existing. Just like there's archaeological evidence for the congregation that lived in 1966 and came here, there is archaeological evidence for Baruch, the scribe, son of Moriah. So what would happen, the way that, the way that it would work for those of you, you would, you would write your letter on your parchment, you would roll it up, and then tie it with something, twine or, or whatever, and then you'd drip a, a seal onto it, and then you'd impress your particular signet on that seal. Maybe you had a ring or a necklace, and you would impress your particular seal onto that so that that scroll would get to where it needed, unread, unchanged, untouched, and that seal would, would guarantee that. And so in order to open it up, you had to break the seal. Now, when there were fires, obviously the wax would melt and be gone, but the clay ones would harden. And so we have a ton of these clay seals, not just from Baruch, but from other men uh, recorded in the book of Jeremiah specifically. Uh, so these are, these are real people who really existed. And then, to go on from there, so that was found in the mid-1970s. In the mid-90s, they found another one. And one of these things actually has the thumbprint on it, which is pretty cool. Like, I don't know, I can't say, we can't match it up to Baruch's thumbprint, but it's pretty cool to think, like, 
this could be Baruch's thumbprint. Like, this was a real human being. This was a real person. So, that's a little bit of background, but, but who was he and, and why do we want to talk about him this morning? I'm going to start in Jeremiah 36. I told you to open up to 45, and you can stay in 45 or you can come with me to 36 uh, and just read a little section here to give you a little bit more background about who Baruch is. 36, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, so Jehoiakim, read this, not a good guy, not a great king, son of Josiah, who wasn't a king, uh, take uh, king of Judah. The word came to, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on all the words that I've spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day that I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah until today. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them, so that everyone may turn from his evil way, and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Wait, let me read that again. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them, so that everyone may turn from his evil way, and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord that he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah ordered Baruch, saying, I am banned from going to the house of the Lord. So you are to go. So let me just pause right there. Jeremiah has been up to some stuff. It's actually, it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy book. Uh, and, and those people in charge, they're not a big fan of him. Because uh, he's saying some stuff that they don't want to hear. And so he's already been banned from going to the temple. And so he's like, all right, we've got to work around here. Baruch, uh, I need you to write these words down, and then you go for me, because I'm already banned from the temple. So I'm banned from going to the house of the Lord, so you are to go. And on a day of fasting, in the hearing of all the people in the Lord's house, you shall read the words of the Lord from the scroll that you have written at my dictation. You shall read them also in the hearing of all the men of Judah who have come out of their cities. Again, it may be that their plea for mercy Will, become, will come before the Lord, and that everyone will turn from his evil way. For great is the anger and wrath that the Lord has pronounced against this people. And Baruch the son of Neriah did all that Jeremiah the prophet ordered him about reading from the scroll the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. So like I said, for generations the people had acted corruptly. They had forgotten who their God was, and they had turned aside to idols, which lead to death rather than turning to the true God who leads to life and life eternal. And so through, through Jeremiah, Baruch is then to go carry this message. Repent, turn back to God. He will be merciful if you turn back. What actually happens is that Baruch brings that letter. He reads it in front of all the people, and they get disturbed. And so they're like, what are we going to do? All right, let's take this letter, and we'll read it to the king. So they bring it to King Jehoiakim, uh, and King Jehoiakim hears those words, and then very arrogantly and totally unfazed, starts to systematically cut up the scroll and throw it into the fire. Totally unfazed. The word of God. And then he orders, uh, if that's not enough, he orders Jeremiah and Baruch to be arrested. Uh, but God had hidden them away, so they were saved. So that took me, that whole recap right there, that took me less than five minutes. That would have been days and weeks of these men's lives. Think about that. This quick little summary that you go, oh, okay, 
would have been sleepless nights and restlessness and anxiety and fear and hope and, and prayers and emotional turmoil and confusion. These were real people. They had fingerprints. But here's the best part. In, in Jeremiah chapter 45, God gave Baruch his own little message. Tucked away, tucked away in, in between messages of judgment against Jerusalem and Egypt and Babylon and Moab and the Philistine, God gave Baruch a little personal word. And it's not very long, but he needed his faithful messenger to hear his voice. And so, Jeremiah chapter 45, if you do have your Bible, please open it up with me. If you don't, um, just listen closely. Jeremiah chapter 45. Now this would have been given to him, as I read in the beginning, uh, the word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he wrote these words in a book at the dictation of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. So just placing this in history, though this is, this is nine chapters uh, after that Jeremiah 36, that event that happened there, this would have been written right at that same time. So as they were trying to be arrested, God gave Baruch a word for Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, verse 2, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, you said, Woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning, and I find no rest. Thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built, I'm breaking down, and what I've planted, I'm plucking up. That is the whole land. And do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not, for behold, I am bringing disaster upon all flesh, declares the Lord. But I will give you your life as a prize of war in all the places to which you may go. That's the message that God gives to Baruch. So what can we learn from this? What can we learn from this? First, I think it's, let's not overlook the fact that God heard Baruch. The first thing that we can learn is that God heard Baruch. He heard him. He quotes him back to him. He says, he says, you said, verse 3, you said, woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I'm weary with my groaning and I find no rest. But I think it's easy to, to like fall into our, our labels and say like, well, God is omniscient. God knows all things. Yeah. But just because you can define something, doesn't, don't let it take the mystery out of it. Don't take, let it take the wonder out of it. God knows all things. God hears Baruch. And not just hears him. He pays special attention to him. Like every church gathered around the world right now, each one uttering their own individual prayer. God is not confused by that. God is not, he doesn't, like give me one second, guys. Just one second. There's a lot going on right now. Just like when, when the three of my children are talking at once, it feels like my brain is going to melt. Like there's no way that I can function. God isn't like that. He's not like, actually right now, just give me two minutes. I gotta get this thing straightened out first and then I promise I'll listen to you. No, God hears all the time, no matter what. He is never overwhelmed. Not once has he been overwhelmed. He has never been like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. What about you? He is never overwhelmed. He is never too busy to hear you. 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 
He is never too busy to hear you. So God heard him and he paid special attention to him. Secondly, let's pay careful attention to the pronouns that, that God quotes back to Baruch. What was Baruch's complaint? He says, verse 3, Woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning, and I find no rest. Now, I'm going to be straight. That could have been my prayer any one of the days over the past 16 months and beyond. Uh, so I'm not putting myself in a place above Baruch. I, I have prayed this prayer multiple times. Uh, but I need this reminder as much as anybody else. Because what's the problem is that Baruch is saying, look at my situation. Look at me. What am I going to do? I'm so tired with my groaning. I find no rest. It's down. It's in. And when you become hunched over, just thinking inwardly, I think we've been discipled by Disney to believe, like, just trust in yourself and reach down into the strength that was already in you. And, you know, you have Dumbo's little feather. The, 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 the power was in you the whole time. You didn't need the feather. Forgetting that we get to play a role in God's plan. The story isn't about me. The story isn't about you. When we make it about us, we put too much pressure on ourselves, and then we find ourselves in the woe is me situation. It's about Jesus. It's never been about you. It's never been about Kevin Miranda. It's never been about any one of us. And though we each, God the author, he writes intricate, beautiful, amazing, wonderful stories with each one of our lives and each one of our days. But all those stories are tributaries into the great river that is the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ. Look up. When you find yourself, the next time my prayer for you is the next time you find yourself, woe is me. The next time that I find myself, woe is me. It'll remind me that I am weak, but I know somebody who isn't. And, I, and he's never too busy to hear me. And he isn't having sleepless nights. And he isn't confused. And he isn't nervous. He is using all of these situations for his good. For our good. For his glory. So third, we find out that God's plan is much bigger than Baruch can understand at the moment. And God's plan is so much bigger. And so Baruch is there complaining. He doesn't know. God, see, if we read verse 4 and 5, it says, Thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built, I'm breaking down. What I've planted, I'm plucking up. That is the whole land. He's saying, I'm bringing judgment. Like, you played a very important role to go and bring this message to the people, but like, the plan is set. Judgment is coming. They had their opportunity to turn back. This is the plan. And, and you get to be part of it. It's, this is what's happening. So like, I'm plucking it up. Jerusalem, Judea. It's, the, the, the picture that I get in my mind is like, and I feel like this all the time for myself as I, as I pray, and I just like, I know that I'm off here. Like, I know something's off. But it's like I'm arguing with the captain of the Titanic for a better cabin while the ship is going down. 
It's like, what, what are you arguing for? You want a better cabin? The ship is sinking. Your priorities are screwed up. And I think Baruch is saying, Baruch is saying, God's saying, you want good things? You want great things for you, like for your name? I'm plucking the land up. But, but, I will give you your life as a prize of war. Now that is something that I want you to hold on to because that's incredibly important. But God's plans are not going to be thwarted. They're not going to be thwarted. And when you remember who he is, then you can lean into his plans instead of trying to fight against them. When you remember that he is always good, and yeah, it might get uncomfortable. In fact, if you're doing it right, it probably will get uncomfortable from time to time. But he is always only good, and everything that he does, he does for his glory and for the good of his people. Believe that. He is always trustworthy. He will not be stopped. He is just that powerful. He is amazingly gracious, amazingly kind. Because you and I, we can read the book and we get the rest of the story. Like, God did tear down the land. He brought his judgment through the Babylonians. And then 70 years later, just as he told them, miraculously, he brought them back into the land. And they rebuilt the temple. You can read about that in, in, uh, in Nehemiah and in, uh, Ezra. 70 years they were in exile, but God did bring them back. He, he was done. Their story, Baruch's story, was so much smaller than God's. And the information that he had would, would have been so much smaller than what God knew. And God had this plan the whole time. And they come back into the land. And then the land was conquered again and brought back and conquered again. And then you have the Romans show up. But then you had another messenger come. And he did not seek good things for himself. He sought good things for you and me. And his name was Jesus. And he carried the very words of God. And he got great things for us. Even though he was in the very form of God, he emptied himself, Philippians 2 says, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you believe that? Every knee should bow to the name of Jesus in heaven, on earth, under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is a promise directly from God. Completely guaranteed. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't let your lying eyes tell you differently. That is a promise from God. He has a sure plan. Just because we can't understand it at the moment, don't let your lying eyes convince you otherwise. He will fulfill his plan. Even if it looks bleak, he is still moving. Even, even especially when it looks bleak. He's still moving. See, on that Friday when Christ was crucified and dead, it looked like this whole thing was over. And then on Sunday morning, the tomb was empty, and Jesus walked out and got a breakfast of fish. Conquered sin, conquered death. You and I get to be the faithful messengers like Baruch. Baruch didn't carry his own words. 
Baruch carried the words of Jeremiah into really uncomfortable situations in which he was rejected. We don't carry our own words. We carry the words of Jesus Christ, the words of life, the words of eternal life. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is the only way to the Father, that in Him is redemption from your sins, freedom from guilt, joy everlasting and eternal life in Christ. And that offer is for you and for all those that you pass on the street and for your family members. Do they know that they have that offer yet? We carry His words. Our redemption has been accomplished. So the next time you find yourself, woe is me. Let that I am out of control remind you that God is in control and that you are not forgotten. He knows you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's still willingly using you in his great, amazing story. Lean into it. He is incredibly faithful. Things are going to get uncomfortable at times. But God sees you. And he has plans for you. And he will accomplish them through you. That last little, that last little session there in 45, he says, God says, I'm bringing disaster upon all flesh, declares the Lord, but I will give you your life as a prize of war in all places to which you may go. God did give Baruch his life as a prize of war. He was exiled to Egypt, but he survived the exile. Now, God has given us our lives as a prize of war as well. But it's a war that you and I didn't have to fight. God gave us our lives as a prize of war. And it's a war that Christ fought on your behalf. That Jesus, the Son of God, fought for you and victoriously defeated sin, victoriously defeated Satan, victoriously defeated death, and he has given you your life as a prize of war. And he is guaranteed that he is coming back, that he will make all things right. And he knows your name. Do you know him? Do you know him? Please pray with me. Father in heaven, you are powerful, and I feel like I need to start with just a repentance, Lord, that I have underestimated you. It's a hard thing not to do when you are so amazing and just incredible and powerful and full of grace and truth and love and forgiveness and hope and joy. So God, above all things, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us each member of this congregation in this building, each one watching there online, God, that you would fill us, that you would give us peace, that you would give us hope, that you would give us boldness, that you would give us joy, that you would give us confidence, that you would give us faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that you are not nervous about anything. God, we love you. I commit these folks to you in Jesus' name. Amen.